The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday here in New York. This is Good Morning New York. It is my pleasure to be here with all of you. I'm your host, as usual, and we're coming uh, to you live from Blastoff Studios here in Times Square, New York. You know, I wanted to just remind everybody, the show is a very interactive show, so if you would like to call in, you can and ask questions. We are at 866-472-5788. That's one 866 Four seven two five seven eight eight, or you can email me at vrocco at bluerealtygroup dot com, or you can tweet me at Vince Rocco. Well, the future of Manhattan's condo market is downtown. Out of a total of forty five hundred eighty condos projected to hit Manhattan by two thousand. Nearly 30% will be located below 14th Street. Isn't that interesting? This, according to a new report by marketing directors. Uh, A new study shows that New York City will be home to the world's largest number of super-rich by 2025, surpassing the current leader, London. Consulting firm Knight Frank said that a driver of this shift is the increased emigration of multimillionaires from countries such as Russia and China. There's no surprise with that. Developers and investors are pouring an increasing amount of capital into commercial and residential real estate projects in the Bronx. They are looking beyond Brooklyn and Queens, where prices have skyrocketed, to gamble on what some hope is the outer borough hot spot. The Dutch, it is said, bought Manhattan Island in 1626 from its Native American inhabitants for about $24 in trade goods. Half a later, that sum wouldn't buy a square foot of office space in New York City's trendiest real estate market, the area below 34th, which is known as Manhattan South. Fueled by an influx of workers from the Internet economy and a record 17 consecutive quarters of prices, the average cost per square foot of office space in Midtown hit an all-time high of $62.02 in the first quarter, according to Collier's International. At 6.1% in the first quarter, the area had the lowest vacancy rate of any U.S. central business district. New York City is still the second most expensive city to rent an apartment in in the country. Median rent for a one-bedroom in Manhattan jumped 3.3% to $3,100 per month in Brooklyn, Dumbo is still the most expensive neighborhood with a median price of 3720 according to Curbed. We are talking one-bedroom apartments here, so that's quite, a, that's quite a jump in numbers. When the Miami Downtown Development Authority issues its second quarter 2015 report, it will show a continuing decline in real estate sales to international buyers. The report, which will be issued in two weeks, will show that the market for international investors buying in downtown Miami in particular has been narrowing due to weakening currencies against the dollar. 
yet Miami's brand is still strengthening. Investors from New York and other U.S. cities are pouring capital into Miami. They are parking their money because of the tax situation and, of course, the weather. And finally, restaurateur Danny Meyer, who is behind the Shake Shack phenomenon, is negotiating to take a 40,000-square-foot space at 10 Hudson Yards on the far west side for a new culinary destination. The eatery would occur will occupy, rather, street-level space along West 30th Street near the corner of 10th Avenue, one of the main entry points to the High Line, and would benefit from the high foot traffic from the millions of visitors to that popular elevated park. Um, Okay, so today we're going to be talking about new development, and we have a featured guest here in Mollared, who is the new managing director of Blue Uh, new developments. At least twice as many new condominium units are scheduled to hit the Manhattan market this year, the most since 2007. That means more choices for buyers and some welcome competition among developers. The influx comes after a five-year shortage when new condo buildings practically had the market to themselves, allowing developers to push prices even higher. The oncoming wave of new developments in 2015 will have its challenges and prices will be to soar in most cases, uh, but what about design? What attracts buyers to certain buildings and what are the differentiators? Why would one choose one building over another? My guest today, as I said, is Amala Red. She has 14 years of experience in real estate and that is apparent in the scale of her project portfolio. Her unsurpassed real estate development credentials include acting as a founder of Halstead Properties Development Marketing Division, as well as executing some of the city's most groundbreaking properties. She has overseen the development of over $3 billion worth of sales within the luxury condominium market in New York. Beginning her career in television, Amala has figured out where real estate development and vision concept development intersect. They both require imagination and vision. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you. How are you, Vince? I'm fine. Thank you. So I wanted to start with that, imagination and vision. What 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 does that mean in, in the overall design scheme? Well, <clears throat> I think in real estate development, um, the landscape tends to be very general because developers are afraid to think outside of the box or afraid to add qualities to a project that are special, you know, in quotes, uh, for fear of turning off buyers. So we end up in this kind of grayish, beige landscape. The status quo. Right. So imagination and vision to me means infusing the building with ideas that are possibly different, maybe specific to that particular market. You have kids, you want a cool playroom, you're in an area that's for singles, you're thinking high-tech modality, uh, and so forth. All right. So let, let's start at the beginning. So you, you meet with developers uh, who are interested in putting up a building, uh, a condominium, luxury condominium building in any neighborhood here in New York, and you've certainly worked in, in most of them, including up in Harlem and downtown. How do, you, how do you typically approach a project from the beginning with a developer when when design and 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 you know creativity are really at its peak. Well, developers usually come to me when they're in the middle of a transaction, when they're looking at a property to say, will this make money for me and how much money will it make? So you start with the finances. You're looking at the general price per square foot in the area, but then you want to do an analysis that really tells you the sweet spot of what is going to sell in that particular area. 
for me, coming from uh, having written television and worked in television and growing up in theater, it's it's kind of hard to isolate my particular trained eye. You simply have a sense of what is going to turn people on. Real estate development, because it skews prices so high, is really like, you know, finding the visceral place in a person that ignites them to buy a Tom Ford suit or... Gucci bag. Why does that person want to do that? Because you make them feel as if they have to have it. And so you're really, what I like to do is really think about a, a particular buyer profile or two or three that really match this building and find what they like, what they're wearing, what they're into, and infuse the building with those qualities. So, you know, with that's and, and well said. How is how much is the developer involved in the original creative design, and from the beginning, or or are they not? Is it really the basically all one? It's every meeting. The developer there every step of the way. This is his baby. This is his or her baby, I should say. Uh, and my job is to make her the prettiest girl in the room. Um, I've got to uh, appease the developer while maintaining uh, my market research and my market knowledge and the knowing of what is going to work in this particular area. Sometimes we're on the same page. I would say 85% of the time you're on the same page, but sometimes you're not. And developers come in with very strong ideas about what's going to sell, uh, what's going to be the right product. And I'll, I'll give you just a short um, example. I did two products in Harlem. I call them products, development uh, sites in Harlem. And I won't say the names. One was uh, in a location that looked at a park, it had uh, issues with its uh, with um, a church involved in the building. They wanted to maintain ownership. We ended up with a conduct product that is really hard to sell in New York with a 99-year lease renewable. Down the block, perfect location, boulevard, uh, a client knew exactly what he wanted, had all of his finishes, and five years later still has three apartments to sell. The one that was challenged up the block listened to me every step of the way, let me hire interiors people, listened to me and my stagers. I, you know, br- brought in my graphics people and they sold out in a bad market. So it's, wow. you know, it. Well, that's what I was going to get to because, you know, with, with all of that and everybody thinks that they're designers and everybody thinks that they're interior decorators and architects and whatever. And developers are the ones who have the and developers are the ones who are putting up the building. However, and this goes into the, the, the suburbs where, you know, you say, oh, a builder is building this house. What do they know? You know, they just, you know, come across with a floor plan or a house plan and, and up it goes. Do they really, these developers in New York City, do they really understand what it takes in their building to get it sold? And by that, I mean the right design, as you said before, and the right, you know, uh, implementation of of the create creative, um, you know, uh, input, because I, I tend to think, and I've worked with multiple developers, as you know, a lot of them don't have it. Yeah. You know, they just don't. I would say no, for the most part. Sometimes, sometimes you find people that um, have a sort of creative streak and uh, also have a really strong financial understanding. For the most part, developers are people that have made money 
their markets and are now investing that money into real estate. So real estate is acting like a stock or a bond, but it's excelling faster than it would on Wall Street. So you're talking to somebody who looking at numbers only. My job is to then say, okay, we've figured out the numbers. Now we have to make the pro- – this is a Tide. It's Tide or Caldor. We're selling it on a shelf. And in order to do that, it needs to have a zhuzh. It needs to have like a special mm-hmm. sauce. And so that's my job. I – you know, I have – I I have an interesting creative background, and when you weld that with real estate, it makes a lot of money. So they trust me, but they're trusting me because I have, you know, 14 years behind me. So these conversations with developers in here in New York City, and again, for the listening audience out around the world, you know, we do things uh, a lot differently here in New York City, and building buildings is one of the things we do differently um, just because of the, the, the you know, the, the landscape here of New York. And the uh, the uh, high demand for these buildings, but so you then are saying that you get involved with these guys and gals, developers from the very onset, and you're also helping them. We'll get into this a little uh, later after the break. But you're you're you handle floor plan designs. You 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 recommend room sizes in addition to actual finishes. When and finishes, we were talking about refrigerators and appliances and and flooring and 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 window everything, size, everything. Soup to nuts. And- you know, it's interesting that you say floor plans because oftentimes, yeah, I want to talk about that later. <clears throat> oftentimes, real estate people, salespeople, don't understand. You know, they they might crunch a floor plan and think we've got to let's let's tighten this apartment, let's tighten it and tighten it because we'll make more money per square foot. But if you have a second bedroom on a plan that's you know nine by ten or eleven by twelve, and you have smaller. an HVAC sticking out of the wall, mm-hmm. it just became a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's important that you understand. And part of that is uh, comes from experience. And part of that comes from understanding spaces. It's important that you understand how to configure these apartments so that one, they'll sell. Two, they feel interesting when you walk through them. And three, they don't come off like generic boxes, you know, because oftentimes in New York, that's what people end up selling, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Hold the thought on that. We have to take a break. Uh, we are to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're talking new condo developments here in New York City. And my guest is Amala Red, uh, the new managing director of Blue Developments here in New York City. All right, so Amala, outside of condo developments, when clients hire an interior designer, aside from, does that come in after you have already um, consulted with the overall look and feel of the building? The interior designer comes in to do what? Or is it even necessary? Um, well, right now, because the cost of building is so high, it's skewing up the prices of new development. And so the idea of having an interior designer is kind of like uh, an added bonus. It's and also, you know, necessary to set your product apart from what everybody else is doing to kind of infuse it with personality. Um I would generally be the person to recommend interior designers. I'll have an idea of what I want this building to be. And then I find people, this is just my strategy, then I find people that fit that. And then I introduce them to the developer. Many times you will have an architect of record, meaning the architect who is doing the actual blueprint plans and filing them with the city. And on with, and aside from that, an interior designer. But that needs to be budgeted for. On larger buildings, it's usually not a problem. On smaller buildings is where you find that you have to get creative and find people that are starting studios or maybe don't have a great name, but you like their taste or et cetera. I, I had the privilege of working on a building that you were you uh, were involved in from the very beginning here in Midtown West. And I wanted to ask you because, you know, we've talked about this offline many times, but you know, in in coming up with the overall vision for a building and the creation for a building and dealing with de- uh, developers, and some can be difficult, and uh, in, in this particular case, a couple of them were, but you seem to hit the nail on the head with the design of this particular building for the neighborhood it was in, for the time period that it was in. And my question to you is, how difficult is it to know, you know, we as real, real estate um, brokers and, and agents, you know, try to understand the neighborhoods and try to understand the buildings and the people and whatever. But we're bound by so many fair housing you know, laws that we can't really talk about too many things. But in development, it's sort of a whole different ballgame. How do you understand a neighborhood that a building is going into before you know, they actually break ground and you come up with all these designs? And in, my, in the case that I sold uh, the building in Midtown, it was such a classic success because I think everything worked. The building design worked. The, the finishes worked. The room sizes worked. You know, the amount of balconies and terraces, whatever, uh, work. How does one really get that to happen in a particular neighborhood, for example? Well, your your understanding of a neighborhood, as you know, from being a salesperson for 14 years, comes from experience. So you get a sense of who's migrating where and what's happening next in an environment. For example – once upon a time, Chelsea was sort of a singles haven. Now it's a family haven. Soho was, you know, a night spot destination. Now it's, you know, more of an international sort of appeal. Neighborhoods change, and this is a city that sort of grows upon itself. However, when you're talking about development, it really, depending on 
the nature of the size of the product that you're dealing with, you have an idea of, and also what your budget is, how far you can go with design. You get a sense of who is going to be attracted to this building. In the area that you're mm-hmm. talking about, which is Hell's Kitchen, I did two projects uh, like blocks away from each other. One was really for uh, buyers like upping the buyer who's buying up. And the other was for the new buyer. The new buyer building, which is the building that you did, the 505, was delivered to me with the idea that these floor plans are done. These guys have worked on this building for X amount of time. They don't want to go through floor plans again. Now, what do we do to make it sell? And so that was a challenge in itself. Also, its location being so close to 10th and 11th Avenue, kind of being off, you know, sort of in in a side, uh, less traversed area. Um, it, it took some thought to, but I knew instinctively that single people were going to like that building. So we had to build it for them and that's what happened and it worked. That was exactly one of the thoughts I had, you know, because it was, you know, west of 10th Avenue, which at a time in 2006 and seven, when the design mm-hmm. was happening, you know, that wasn't such a popular area. In fact, right. you know, I, I follow the trend west of 8th. Oh, no. West of 9th. Oh, no. Now, here we go. West of 10th Avenue. Right. Oh, wow. Are you right. kidding me? Right. <clears throat> but for singles, as you said, which the majority of the people buying into that building uh, were single and it was a huge monumental success. I like the word you used before, special sauce. So, you know, when you're looking at things that are going to make a particular building really stand out or, or, or sell well. What, you know, what the special sauce, what do you mean by that? Tell our audience what you mean by um, special sauce. Well, I mean, in general, I tend to refer to myself that way. I think that I am the special sauce. You are oftentimes. a special sauce for sure. I mean, I've hired, um, you know, begged a graphic designer that I knew was really talented that was coming from a group that I thought was so cool and they were doing Prada around the world and he had never thought about re- doing real estate and I begged him to work with me when I got to Halstead, and he's now a partner at Pentagram. I have film friends that, you know, I've gotten to make films for me. One of them just won an Emmy. I had a friend who, or knew of a guy who was writing copy that I thought was so clever and so good, and he was having a new baby, so we had a nice little relationship for a long time, and he's now a creative director at Haas. I mean, I not only come from television, but right before I got into real estate, I was hired as a producer of J. Walter Thompson. I've taken breaks from real estate at times when the market went down, got shows on the air nationally. So it's just this sort of eye that I have. And so for me, you know, the you have to it's like when you walk by a Bloomingdale's window, something about the you know, arrangement of the products in the window has to call to you and it's visceral. You can't really explain it. And it's the same with selling apartments, especially when you're selling apartments on a large scale where they become product and you're really brick and mortar. You're doing retail now. So when you have a sales office, the sales office that you did, if you recall, or I did for you, if you recall, when you walked in, you were like, oh my God, brilliant, perfect. Brilliant. Because I want you to be able to talk about every 
aspect of the building as you're walking mm. through. So you start in the lobby and we have something to say. And then we have a map and I'm showing you what's happening. But it's like you could just put a subway map on the wall, but it just doesn't feel as good as designing a map and infusing it with neighborhood ideas yeah. and photographs and all of that. And you were in a location where we really had to make it a destination. So there it was like doubly hard, but we were successful at it. Yeah. And that sales office is a great uh, one of the great reasons that that, that property was uh, a super seller. Um, the, the, the sales office, the way you, the way it flowed to talk about starting in the lobby to the map of Hell's Kitchen and everything that that was in Hell's Kitchen to all the finishes. And then you also had an outdoor patio area because the building had a lot of outdoor space and with with live trees and bushes. It was just amazing. All right. So in today's market, how important is it uh, to use environmentally friendly materials, finishes, furniture, fabric to incorporate this this new green trend. I mean, are we seeing a lot more of that today? Is yeah, it that I important? Mean, people, people that high net worth people are buying real estate and high net worth people are generally very intelligent and they want to feel good in their homes. And, you know, we're in <clears throat> there where we have come to the dawn of the age where we have to be responsible about how we live. And so it only makes sense to add that as much as we can into a building. Oftentimes developers will say, oh, it's too expensive to be passed passive, to be LEED certified. I don't know if I can do it. But if it's part of the discussion at the very onset, then it's really easy to do. I'm working on a a pitch right now for a client friend who I've done successful projects before in the past. uh, And the building is formally a church. Well, I found out it was initially a synagogue, then became a church. uh, And the building is just so beautiful. It was built in 1910. I want to take as many items and and attributes from that building and infuse them in the new structure that we create. And I think that, you know, that kind of recycling idea will attract buyers. They want to know that, you know, we didn't just come in and destroy something, that we are living with the remnants of what was here before. It's a turn on. Well said. Um, All right. So you are now the new managing director of new developments at Reddit Blue Realty Group. What are your plans there and, and how what what is your vision for this particular new division at Blue the Company that I'm I'm partner in uh, and our big plans, you know, hopefully be announced in the next couple of weeks? Well, yeah. I mean, I've been there since uh, April 15th. I'm there, you know, because of you. Uh, you've been my Thank friend you, for a long time and, and you brought me in. It's an exciting, exciting uh, venture that we're about to launch. And I can only compare it to what I did at Halstead. I went to Halstead 14 years ago, uh, knocked on their door, met with, it took a, like a month and a half to get a meeting with Steve and um, pitched the idea of starting a development division there. They didn't have one. I felt they needed one. They were a mammoth and uh, it kind of worked. So I wrote the architecture of what that division needed, did a lot of the hiring and, you know, started off with three of us in the basement. And, you know, all these many years later, it's it's done fantastically well. I left there in 09. um, And now I have the wonderful opportunity to start again with you and the partners at Blue. What I'm hoping to do is to um, penetrate the market with fresh thinking and also uh, new ideas about building and how to uh, lay out apartments. I really feel that 
uh, part of what we're not doing well in New York is thinking outside of the box. People tend to say, well, it worked for this guy over here and he did it over there. So let me do that same thing. But what happens is you now are your product is coming out five years after that first guy. And it's antiquated where this this cubic Italian look of kitchens. I mean, how long can we look at that? And it, it, the same longer. the same <laughs> counters, the same. It's just the same ideas after the same ideas. An alcohol studio is made, you know, to have a a special quality with a French door leading into the alcohol or a more modern building could have, you know, uh, some sort of a a glass panel separating the bed from the rest of the space. I want to give people cool spaces to live in. I want to infuse the market with new ideas. And already, I mean, you know, I've been here a month and we have three projects that we're working. Yes, we do. So um, I'm I'm just super, mm. super duper excited. And then we have some some um, we have additional uh, things that are happening at Blue that we can't get announced that will put us, uh, you know, that will grow our company and put us in the middle very quickly of what's happening in development in the city. Absolutely. And very soon we will, we will be making some of those announcements. Anyway, Amala, it's always great to see you. I love working with you. And thank, thank you for you. having uh, the trust and the confidence in us that we can get stuff going. Uh, in a big way, as you alluded to. You have been a monster success at Halstead Property. I work there, so I know that. Thank you again, and uh, we hope you come back and talk to us again. We have to take a break, but first you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. And I want to thank Amala Red one more time for being our guest today. And we at Blue Realty Group have high hopes that we're going to be uh, making a big splash in the new development um, arena in the next couple of weeks. Big announcements to come. Anyway, um, we're moving on to our hot topics of the day. And joining me today, as usual, Parul Brombat from CORE, Niall Lundgren, Rachel Altschiller from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan, LeaseBreak.com, Ivy Ray, Blue Realty Group, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. Hello, everybody. Long time no see. 
events. Happy Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> so good to see Bye. your face. I know. Everybody's Did everybody have a good excited time? and rested. Yeah. <laughs> We're raring to go. You know what? I'm over rested. Three it's like I woke up this morning at five o'clock just... saying, I got to get out of this house. <laughs> got to go. Oh, my God. I'm in the opposite boat. But Vince, what did you do? A lot of. <laughs> she always gets I me with that question. I want the dirty deeds, man. Well, you know what? I wish. Well, I had this them time for you. there seems like there are some actually, and just you know, from the look on Vince's face. You <laughs> <laughs> leave the apartment for three days, maybe. We no, no, no. Of course, I left the apartment okay. for three days. I wish. And you no. have some nice color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a yeah. little sun, you know, out no, 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 you know, nothing fancy, just dinners and lunches and, and, and parks time and jet time. Mm-hmm. And the city I, was nice, right? It was quiet. The oh, weather was nice. It I was, it was so quiet in the weather. Yeah. Was I, I took was a cab ride from my apartment on 94th Street, West Side, to the West Village. It took all of like seven or eight <laughs> minutes on Saturday <laughs> night. And I thought, isn't that amazing? See, for me, these are big deals. Okay? Uh, That's a right. big deal for me. Easily pleased. Did you go no to a traffic. great restaurant? Did you have a, a no, I went to a meal? Fr- I didn't go to a restaurant. I went to a friend's um, rooftop terrace. She lives at the, the John Adams 101 West 12. Mm-hmm. Yes. What right an amazing, me. amazing rooftop that building has. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Gorgeous. So, you know, big cocktail party. Did you notice there are a lot of planes flying? I mean, I guess because the Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, on Saturday, week, I mean, the Blue Angels were in town. Yeah, they were just yeah. constantly flying yeah, by. That's right, they were. I, really, did, I didn't notice know, them okay. at night. I mean, yeah. maybe during the day they were. Yeah. But actually, yeah. no, I did see them in Riverside Park on one Loud. morning. They woke my baby up, baby up a few times. So wow. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, the wow. helicopter scene was awesome as well. Crazy. We were like, what is going on? We yeah. thought something was wrong. Well, yeah. Yeah. Why? There were those yeah. huge... Big double propeller military choppers that were like shaking the house like we were having an earthquake. There were also fireworks. I was on the rooftop on Saturday night and I saw fireworks in Jersey. I couldn't really figure out where in Jersey. But I kept hearing these booming noises and I thought, wait a minute. This is not Fourth of July. It's Memorial Day. So what's going on? (laughs) Were you confused there for a second? That must have been because of my sister's wedding. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That that, that was this weekend, right? Yeah, it was. It was. Was it good? Thanks. I know. I just wanted to give her a shout out. Congratulations. To her, right. so. million dollar question always is where's the honeymoon? Uh, Barcelona and oh, yeah, yeah, Nice yeah. and Monaco. Mm. Okay, wow. tough life. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. Wow. Yes. Maybe I'll get married again. Yes. <laughs> Anything fun for the weekend? Nothing. I mean, mine was kind of just standard, and uh, I saw on Facebook you had a good time. I just spent the time catching up with friends. Mm-hmm. It was so nice to do that. Of course, Perul and I were talking earlier about. Um, Trying to shut down, and then Friday night I got an offer, and Pearl <laughs> and I were like talking about people on Monday. You, I had, I had an eight a.m. on right, Monday. I had people right. starting so, to to say, "Hope you had a nice long weekend." And I was saying, "Well, it's not a long weekend if you're contacting me at eight a.m. on Monday, <laughs> on Memorial Day." <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. an accepted offer yesterday afternoon about I don't know five or five thirty. I'm just kind of going through the phone, which I really wasn't paying too much attention to on purpose. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, I see oh, here's a deal on Memorial Day. I'm thinking, yeah. mm-hmm. all right, well, that's nice. You know, Serious people are out on Memorial That's Day right. looking, and serious people put offers in, and serious people do deals on. That's holiday when they weekends. have the time to mm-hmm. look and do personal stuff when they're not working. And all this so speaks it. to what the market is doing right now. Absolutely. Yeah. All Absolutely. right. So moving on and talking about how the market is trying to buy a co-op is not for the faint of heart. Not only do you have to prove your wealth with tons of financial documents, but you also have to win over a co-op board in part through reference letters from friends and colleagues who can attest to your great moral character and fiscal responsibility. Now, for those of you out in the listening land who aren't familiar, co-ops here, when you buy a co-op, you have to go through an arduous process of approval. And a lot of that is financial and a lot of that is from a personal perspective. So, you know, when 
boards ask for letters, okay? What should your friends and colleagues say about you in these letters? And again, for people out there who don't understand the process of co-ops, it's very important that these letters speak to you as a person because people want to know certain things about you. People on the board want to know certain things about you and why you should be let into the building. So what what do we tell our our, our buyers when they're purchasing Co-ops. Well, before we get to the letters. Miss Co-op I, herself, Deborah. Oh, yes. But, yeah, well, all of us have something to say. But this is something I think we have to backtrack a little. The moment <clears throat> you walk into that apartment with your broker for the showing the first time, whether it's at an open house or a private showing, the broker who is listing that apartment is trying to vet you. Are you polite? Are you going to pass the co-op board? Are you being smart-alecky and saying every nasty thing from here until Tuesday about the apartment with the strategy, which is incorrect, that, oh, I'll get a better deal on this if I show all its all the apartment's flaws. It's not true. But at the same time, if you are in a situation with multiple offers, chances are you may go down to the bottom of the pile if you're equal to everyone else because that broker has vetted you as he or she may not pass the co-op board. They're not too nice. And they have the seller's ear. So, yes. Right, and and you're also yes. saying that they must have good manners from the onset. Yes, <laughs> that that's Your guy did. yeah, <laughs> that's tall, always important. A tall order sometimes. Yeah. The uh, I was just saying, in terms of the letters, there are a few parts of the board package where the buyer can show their personality. I would say the two really the only two sections are the intro letter, which we could talk about I as to a ask separate. About that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. maybe that's a separate show or a separate question, and the and the letters. And so it's critical that a lot goes into these letters. So one of the things that I always tell buyers is please don't write the letters yourself. And so many buyers do because they don't want to burden people. They don't want to, and even if you don't say. I mean, I've learned this from experience. If I don't specifically say, please don't write the letters yourself, and in fact, tell them that, tell these people that your broker told you you can't, blame me. Um, I find that they say sometimes do have their, uh, by, you know, their friends write the letters. And it's so critical because someone's going to speak about you in so much more of a um, exaggerated, beautiful, perfect way. If you're saying something about yourself, yeah, if you're talking about yourself, you tend to be a little more humble. Every letter sounds the same, you know, and you really want people to say things about you that you would never even think of saying yourself. And these are some of the best letters or when I know, and you guys all know too, you know if someone wrote the letter themselves or if the buyer – if the buyer's uh, – Well, I think one of the most important things in terms of the letter though is a lot of times even when somebody else – regardless of whether they write it themselves or someone else writes it, I find myself rewriting the letters myself a lot of the times, truth be told. And it's because I think there's one specific thing that I find to be really important. Some uh, Many times people will just say, oh, this person is really trustworthy and you should let him into the building. Well, don't just give me the word. Don't just say this person's trustworthy. Maybe tell a little story like this person's really thoughtful. Well, what do they do? Well, you know, back in college when we were roommates, borrowed my car, washed it, filled it up with gas and brought it back, right? Like tell me something that is materially tangible that expresses why you think this person is thoughtful or whatnot. And I think that it's those little stories or just little back 
backup information um, to support whatever you're saying about the person is important. And I think that that's probably one of the most important reference points to me in any personal letters. I, I, I agree because I tend to do the same thing sometimes depending on what I get back in a written letter. But is it important for us as agents to give them guidelines Absolutely. as to what to write in these letters? I because oftentimes – Or yeah, example letters. Example yeah. <clears throat> because even if you don't want them to – your buyer to write the letter, and I completely agree with that, Phil, but you know, <laughs> y- if you pass it on to a friend and say, hey, I'm buying a co-op or I'm buying an apartment <laughs> in New York, you get three sentences back in a letter and sometimes not even on letterhead. That's I mean true. I've seen that too. So That's it's so, so yeah. important to give I think some it's important to, le- to end the letter too with a thank you for your consideration and hopefully – Instead of assuming anything, because that's really important. I don't think buyers understand that. Mm-hmm. They just assume, okay, I have the application in and I'm good to go. But you're still being mm-hmm. considered. So you have to come from a very kind of um, humble, humble right. place. Right. 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 And I was with Pearl. We were nodding in the beginning. Is that um, I tend to offer to write it myself. So what, cause I'm a, you know, I'm a good writer. And so, and then that gives them the first example of what it is that really the body of something needs to look like if I send them a couple samples, but I just ask for bullet points. I say, go crazy, give me everything you've got. And then let me put it in a structure. And oftentimes they're like, that's perfect. Keg stands, oh, dancing till four in the morning. Those are the things you want to put in your letter. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> dancing. Right. Notice the sarcasm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get Do it. Do not put those in. Do though. not put keg stands <laughs> in your I reference totally letter. Totally understand. So, but we want to talk about integrity. We want to talk about honesty. We want yeah. to talk about, you know, the, the, the quiet, nice, perfect person that everybody is. But, Phil, you just mentioned something before. I was going to ask that question later. What um, about intro letters? Do you all ask your buyers to do an intro letter. I started this, I don't know, maybe even 10 years ago because I got a board package from a buyer's broker that had one and I thought, well, what is this letter? This is not a necessary letter or it wasn't part of the requirements of the board package. And I read the letter and it was one of the nicest letters I've Mm -hmm. ever read from a buyer Mm -hmm. talking about why they want to be in a building, why they chose Mm -hmm. that apartment, why they like the neighborhood, whatever. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to now start that trend for me and I've been doing it for the past 10 years religiously. Do you find that it's important in a board package these days? For me, it's the word is context. I really find that the letter puts everything in context because a board – you know, sometimes – is it a -a pied-a-terre? Who's buying it? Is it a co-purchase? And right away, it sets the tone. It sets the tone – about who these people are, why they're buying it, what their intention is, why they love the building, why they love it. And I think, I mean, from my, there was a time where I've had some managers say, well, sometimes you want to do it, sometimes you don't. It depends on the situation. And I, and I, I do agree. It does sometimes depend. Um, but I will say that more often than not, I ask them to do a letter and I, I do think it helps. Yeah. Actually, I tend to write that myself. I write an intro letter myself and it's because a board package tells a story. Mm-hmm. It tells a story about the people's lives, who are their references, where do they work. And so I use the letter as an opportunity, almost like, you know, when you go on an interview, you use the thank you letter as an opportunity to sort of cover the points you may not have fully fleshed out or if something was left out. So or, or, or you sort of fill the gaps in, in the storyline that you started creating in the interview. I use the intro letter to do the same for a board package. So whatever might need a little more finessing or an explanation to just make the storyline clear, 
Um, I put that sort of in the preamble, if you will. Yeah, I, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I totally agree with Phil in terms of like setting the stage with context because, you know, the way that I do it, and Pearl might write it herself, or I don't know if you if you have them write it, but I collaborate with my buyers if I write an intro letter. So I'll, I'll have a basic template with like, you know, an intro and then the kind of a conclusion, then I have them fill out the body, and then we go back and forth, you know, uh, mm-hmm. throughout the process, and then we finalize it together. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a cool way of, of getting them involved involved in the process yeah. um, a little bit more and they it, they seem to have their own personal touch on it which i right. think is cool because they you know they might really love the building because of x y and z reason and it's like something that right. i would have never even thought of exactly. but i think it adds a lot more context right. and allows the board to feel a little bit more like hey oh he likes the you know right. the, the the doorman attendant right. or also, whatever pe- it is yeah. also people love the apartment they're about to buy so they're usually yeah kind of not too unhappy about having to write this letter, you know, and, and like you said, sometimes I'll bring up points that I'll never even think of. And yeah. I do want their personality to come out. But to Perul's point, I, I always, we always look at the letter. We always look at it. We Have review to. it. That, we we make changes. Yeah. We, you know, so. that's the most important letter I think of all to, to really yeah. look at. Yeah. And there are also times where you need to explain something that appears somewhere else in the board package, but there's no other, other opportunity or place to explain it. Right. But in that intro letter, because, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't know what the board members are going to be looking at or understanding. And even if it's something on the financial line. Right. You know, or there's an explanation about a student loan, you know, because we don't like a lot of debt on a a board package. But maybe there's an explanation for it. Maybe it's ending soon, whatever it may be. That intro letter is the first place uh, to explain it. So as they go through the package further, they're – well, right if there are any, if there are any red flag issues we'll, we'll, where we know Correct. they're going to come up, Correct. we'll purposely put them in the letter and just put them right out and, in front. And, 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 and written and, and signed by the buyer. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in a minute. We have to take a break. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We're back. and We're talking to our panel. Um, so let's talk about business. So far, first quarter, we're actually almost at the end of second quarter. I still I woke up this morning thinking, my God, it's almost June 1st. We're, you know, halfway through the year, and I'm still thinking about, you know, 
paying off Christmas gifts from from six months ago, which they're paid off. And I'm thinking now you have to kind of start again. I don't understand where the time is going. I know it's it, it's moving quicker than it ever has. Well, sure it's it's incredible. That, yeah. However, with that said, we all are in business. We're all our own independent contractors. How was business for all of us first half? I can tell you, for me, it was really a, an amazing start to a good year, and hopefully it continues through the year, but we've had a very good first half uh, on the Rocco team. So let's see where we go you know, forward. But how was business this year so far? I think I think we're all doing really well. I mean, I'm I'm I know all of you. I think we're all doing we're rocking it. I actually spent Q4 of last year. It was a little slow for me and I spent that time reaching out to people, gifts, like the stuff that we don't normally have time for. Mm-hmm. So January to today has been amazing. I've doubled my goals already and it's June yeah. from last year. I've already doubled. So it's that being said, I think it's Every year we do this, I think that's inevitably what happens when you're an honest, hardworking, real broker. I think that's what happens. You just exponentially grow. Yeah. I was slow at uh, fourth quarter last year too, um, coming off of a quiet summer. I mm-hmm. think when the market kind of changed a little bit and then yeah. a slow fourth quarter. But I think that built into, as you just said, Rachel, you know, uh, a, a very heavy first quarter because I think people were kind of thinking and people were kind of just, you know, holding back a bit. And then all of a sudden with some farming and and, and some um, conversations with buyers and sellers, whatever, people opened up the doors first quarter and into second quarter this year. And business has been, for my company and for me personally, fairly decent this year. So I'm hoping that the trend continues into uh, the rest of the year. But what about foreign buyers? Are you seeing any change in the foreign buyer population in this town since – end of last year or actually all of 14 where they were really hot and heavy? There was a little bit of a slowdown and I think then it picked right back up. But I think when the dollar got stronger, there was definitely a little bit of a slowdown. Um, But no, I mean, it seems seems like it's back in full force now. I also think, I mean, I I think it's also about your individual experience though, right? So I think that there's, I, I, my projection is is that there's going to be more foreign buyer activity in the fall because there's going to be a lot of new developments launching then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I talked about at the top of the show in the news piece, um, there's going to be a lot more coming out at the end of the year into 16. Um, but also New York City has taken over from London as being you know the home to all of the super rich around the world. Number one out of you know all of the the other popular cities, and the reason for that is because of the foreign buyers, and as the news item said this morning, the Chinese and the Russians. So yeah, it dipped a little bit, I think, in the in the first half of this year because of the dollar strength, etc. But it seems to be coming back again. Uh, in okay. fact, the deal we got accepted yesterday um, on on uh, Memorial Day day uh, is a foreign person. So you know, I think they're out there. They're still looking to invest, and I'm also reading um, for the first time about how. Uh, more information, I should say, about how the foreign investors, the Chinese and the Russians in particular, again, are investing in larger projects, development projects mm-hmm. in other yes. big, yeah. big developments They're coming in more in on city. that end. Yes. Um, you're seeing more and more of that for sure. The other thing I'm seeing also is, you know, there's always like the first movers. So you get the wave yeah. of the people who, you know, sort of started the trend of buying in New York. And then when you get to the second and third waves, um, you see different 
uh, f- pockets of like financial pockets of people coming out. And it seems that I'm seeing a lot more of like the upper middle to the, you know, like not the uber wealthy, but one or two steps below that, that um, investor showing up now more and more so. Um, and I think that that sort of is the story in Flushing and some of the other areas that are outer borough and not just Manhattan. I'm definitely seeing more of my friends. When I first started in real estate, all my friends didn't have any money. So I was just pounding the pavement and trying to get clients from open houses and God knows where. And I'm starting to see some of my friends Mm. now make the money. They've saved the money. So a lot of first-time buyers, not so much foreigners in my business, um, in new development. Yes, absolutely. But um, it's really nice to see they don't want to put in the stock market. That, you know, they trust real estate and now they're branching into Queens. And, mm-hmm. and if they're referring something to Westchester, we all can refer out to other places, which is such a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Make a phone call and, and still help them. So, yeah, it's. Let's talk about um, deals. You know, for the listening audience out there in real estate, each of our transactions we refer to as deals. OK, and we're all very successful real estate agents in New York City, in Manhattan in particular. And that's why we're all around this table every week. Um, super, super experienced and successful. But I like the word, the term deal making, okay? Because mm-hmm. we all get highly charged and we all get very, you know, excited mm-hmm. about deals because mm-hmm. every time we do a deal, we make money. If we don't do deals, we don't make money. So let's talk about deal making, okay? For each mm-hmm. of us, there's got to be some part of the, the, the deal that excites us the most. You know, there are so many moving parts within a deal, so many, you know, uh, individual people in the deals and drama in the deals. But overall, if you had to, you know, kind of just lump it into one or two, you know. What sentences. are your two favorite words? The closing. The cl- Board approved. <laughs> Board approved. <laughs> Commission check. Contract you know, signed. Contract yeah. signed. Yes. Well, yes. but that, well, that's the point, you know. So when you start here and you end up over mm-hmm. here, all mm-hmm. of these moving parts that, that go into this deal making can be dramatic or can be, you know, crazy. But when you get that contract sign, that deal closed and that commission check deposited, then you say, okay, I just did a deal. Well, I think we also have to mention in most parts of the country, the the actual first offer is the filling out of the contract. Mm-hmm. And that's the offers. They have a contract already. Here, it's after the attorney and after the buyers do their due diligence, then you sign the contract. So that's why we're all saying it's such a big deal for us because it means the buyer has vetted the building, has vetted the neighborhood, attorney says it's fine, and then they sign the contract. And that's a big deal for us. A contract sign is a big deal, but as I learned a long time ago, you know, it's it a deal is not a deal yeah. until, yeah. until you walk out of the closing. closing table with your check in yeah. hand. And say mazel tov. Yeah. And say mazel tov. to walk out with that check. Yeah. It's not just getting the check. It's walking yeah. out of the room with the check. <laughs> you know, I think people out of real estate have no – obviously would ha- not have a keen sense of what it takes for us from beginning to end mm-hmm. to really have something complete itself mm-hmm. and close. Um, I find my personal fulfillment when it's been one of the, most of the deals are like this. I mean, I've had some super simple ones, but we have to be brilliant multitaskers, conflict, be unbelievably good at conflict resolution. You have mm-hmm. to be quick on your feet. You have to be willing during these periods of times when you have deals going on to be available, at least for me, in a way that I'm not available, kind of when I'm mm-hmm. just operating in regular business. When a deal is going on, man, I'm like hypersensitive. I let the key people know, look, if it's 3 a.m., you can text me. Like, you know, you. it's like being a parent. It's like being, you know, I. It, you just really have to be hyper vigilant, awake, and really 
good. I find that very successful brokers are calm. They're mm-hmm. pillars totally, of strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's nothing I can't do yeah, is right. where I have a sense of humor. There's such an emotional journey yeah. that mm-hmm. when they have to talk to us, which is usually on the daily in New York City yep. for three or four months, they want to know that, you know, you're like an ocean breeze yeah. in the storm. Well, That's- I'm not that, I'll be honest, but I am still. If a tsunami is it required, could be, it could be if you that lay, too. I'm anything that needs to be done, is, is in other words. Yeah. But if the fulfillment of a deal that's closed that has been problematic is like nothing else I, I've ever known. But I like, I like the way Rachel put it, you know, an emotional journey. Because I don't, you know, you said, Ivy, that you had a couple of easy ones. I may have had one or two easy ones, but, you know, most mm-hmm. of them are, you know, complicated or complex. And they are definitely an emotional journey and not only for the agent us or the broker us but but for the everybody involved mostly the buyers and sellers i actually made this comment to nile yesterday and i said you know real estate's interesting because it has such a yin and a yang component to it the yin component is the hand holding and the being able to understand sort of the psychological drivers and and making sure that you're making people feel okay and secure through the process and the yang energy very much is like going out and finding the business and really being able to just like get all the different moving parts together and getting them done you know like just the the deliverable but there's such a combination of both sides of like our personalities as people that are necessary you know and I, i i would agree with that and on the rooftop on Saturday, I was telling a friend who was not in this business, you know, pretty much the same thing. And I thank God for all of the psychology classes that I took in Absolutely. college. Yeah. And I almost majored in it. That's how many courses mm-hmm. I took. So believe me, there is not one incident that, that goes on in my business every day that I'm not. I don't feel like I'm prepared. For, I, I feel like I'm very prepared for rather. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as usual, we're out of time. So that's good morning, New York, for this week. We are back next Tuesday, I know, morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Time Live. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. We are renewed for season three. I'm signing my contract today. We will be back for another year starting July 1st. Let's go party. Anyway, for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining me, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.